welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, we've got Mr. Ricky Hyatt. I should be floating in and out. Dave Hilda Pryor will be asking the questions. And Mr. Tom Bailey will also join us. Let's get down to it and see where it all leads us tonight. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. I'm back. It's Monday. We're back, and I'm going to introduce it probably from your perspective, listener, in reverse order, because I'm going to do this in order of mood, from high to low. So first of all, I'm going to introduce my first guest, Mr. Tom Bailey. How are you doing, Tom? I'm, I'm very good, actually. Tired, but good. How about you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well, indeed. Did I gauge the mood correctly? Do you think I was right in letting you go first, from top to bottom? Well, we don't have many better options, so even if mine stank, I, I don't think I could get much worse than, than our other two. So the question is, who do I introduce next? So I think what I'm going to do, I'm getting the shake of the head from one, so I'm going to go to the other. The voice you've already heard, Mr. A.D. Hopper's next. A.D., have you had a good weekend, sir? Absolutely ecstatic. Excellent. Who knew? A better mood, Tom, than we were expecting. You're getting in the wrong order. You're reading the room wrong. <laughs> well, let's see if this continues for the last guest on Football Bloody Hell this evening. Of course, he's here to dissect everything, everything that happened this weekend. It's Mr. Rick Hyatt. Rick, good evening. Bollocks. Oh, where's my bleep button? <laughs> it's it's actually bloody hell. Football bloody hell, Rick. How yeah, many times? Uh... It's this weekend football was bollocks. Maybe we can change the title, but it might upset a few listeners. So maybe we'll stick to the uh, the original format for now. Okay. <laughs> well, You're horrible man. Well, look, Rick, you get a little bit of a reprieve because, as always, we're going to start with Yeovil Town, and we're going to start with, of course, Three Valley star men, star man, in fact, Scott McTombley, our very own Tom Bailey, was on a solo mission up to Dartford this weekend. So a round of applause, listener, if you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to it, for Mr. Tom Bailey, solo effort up at Dartford. Before we get to the game, Tom, just tell us about your trip. How did you find it? Get there oh, safely? It was, I got there safely, but, oh, it was long. It was painful. Um, yeah, four and a half hours up, which what? My, my maps lied to me. Um, there was a lot of traffic. I think there was um, roadworks on the M3. So there was a lot of traffic and a lot of issues. But um, we made it. Although I will give credit to Dartford. They've got the easiest stadium to find. And they've got tons of parking. Which is a blessing. So um, big shout out to Dartford. And they've got a lovely, lovely setup there. And very friendly staff. So we can definitely say that. And the drive home was... I'd say worse despite being quicker because the wind was blowing me everywhere and I only have a little car so I was actually worried I wasn't going to make it home but we made it all in the name of football. What was the route then Tom? How did you get there? I, mean, I know it's in Kent but that's all I know about Dartford. It was I went through the A303 got to the M3 um I think I took the A3 as well at one point and then stopped. <laughs> yeah and then stopped for a bit um yeah, I only I didn't get to do my proper stop because it diverted me away from Fleet. So I had ten minutes outside of Premier in uh, older shot. So um, my my windscreen wiper fell off. So I, I fixed that, and uh, we were back on our way. I didn't want to be late, so we made it on time. 
but um yeah sort of took me i didn't i didn't go across start for crossing it took me off before then so somewhere around there mm. i just followed the map i did what i was told all in the name of three valleys radio as well tom so very well done the listeners will of course be pleased with your sterling effort and the game itself fans i've spoken to post-match have sort of said the same sort of thing which is Yeovil ideally probably should have been out a sight at half time and unfortunately it then came back to bite them as uh, Dartford came back into it ended in a Desmond which we all enjoy of course I particularly enjoy Desmond but maybe not on this occasion Tom was that, was that a fair assessment the general fans view of the game did you see it the same way yeah, definitely. I think Dartford could have had a couple more as well. They played really well. Um, first 10 minutes, we could have easily scored two or three. Um, we were all over them. But after that, they, they were resilient in defence and uh, they did a good job of of um, hauling themselves back into it. Um, but yeah, I think the general assessment is fair from everybody where we could have easily had three or four, maybe even five before half time because Rhys Murphy missed a guilt-edged chance. Of course, he converted his penalty. Um, Jordan Young hit the bar. So, you know, there were definitely chances for us um, to, to pull ourselves ahead. Their keeper was in inspired form as well. So we've got to give them credit again. Um, I think on the face of things, the draw was fair. But it's definitely a game we should be winning, despite Dartford being a, a good side. I mean, I was saying on the radio throughout the whole thing that uh, Dartford hadn't finished below 10th since they came back down from the National League. So they're always a, a competitive side in, in the division. So it was going to be a tricky game and they proved as such. Um, but they'll go well and we'll go well as well. Fingers crossed we both go up because I'd like to play them again, actually. Really good game. Really, really good game. In terms of the pitch quality, Tom, it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a 4G, was it? It was, a, it was grass? Yep, it was grass and it had been very wet up there and the groundsman did a great job uh i took i saw a picture that ollie marsh from glover's cast uh took and the dugouts were actually submerged at one point uh or at least sort of where the, the the feet go anyway and they'd scooped out all of that and the the pitch was underwater in the morning but they had got it all off and they got it playable i think it was a bit cut up by the end a very similar perhaps to the braintree game that we had where it was it was destroyed by the end but they did a really good job of getting it on and uh they were busy right up until kickoff, so fair credit. Rick, I appreciate other things were happening around about the same time, but were you listening to the dulcet tones of Tom Bailey on Saturday afternoon? Of course. And hey, what did you think of the... What else would you like? <laughs> what else was like? Go on, no, I mean, moving on. What you, could, what you could hear from, obviously, Tom, because he was the only one there. Um, with that sort of the... well again, top top quality broadcasting, solo as ever. Well done, well done, Freddie McTombley. Good work, sir. Did you get those vibes coming through the airwaves that yeah, it did seem much. as though that Yeovil were just not able to capitalise on the chances that they had and come back to bite them in the end? Yeah, that's the way it, the way it came across. I mean, it'd be nice to get back to free flowing football and beat somebody comprehensively after the last few results. But it is what it is said uh, last week on the predictions that a draw, I thought it'd be a draw, I think. You did. You did. I, did. I think we all did. Uh, yeah. I think you all copied me and said that it was going to be a draw. <laughs> and I you was... weren't here for most of it. Yeah, that was in the bit I was in. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's the classic, as Steve said on, said last week, you know, it's, it's that classic thing, isn't it? You win your home games, draw your away games, a championship shall be yours. And I think it's Again, it's it's not one that's going to go down in the annals of history. It's just it's been there, done it, sorted it out, came away with a point, not beaten, move on to the next one. Got the posh boys of the weekend. Well, they sat posh. They ought to be posh. I think it was really interesting that we switched to a 4-3-3 to start the game and we looked really good. I think we looked a little bit frail in defence at times. But generally, we looked so good going forwards that I think it's. It, I personally think it should be the way to go because we can simply outscore the opposition. I don't understand the change. Do you? Why, why did it suddenly come in that that was necessary? That doesn't make any sense. What switching to the back th the back four or going from the back four to the back three for those two games? The initial change because we've got our full backs look like full backs. They're not wing backs. 
So if you're going to play uh, five at the back, then you are playing five at the back. You're not playing three with two that bomb on. So it just seemed an unnecessarily defensive change from my point of view. I think, and then we look we look better with a with a four. I think. I think I agree as well. It's it was a weird one, and I don't think I've seen us play too much four three three. We usually play a lot of four four two, don't we? So it was um, a pleasant change and one that seemed to be working very well. Sonny Cox looked very good as well, actually. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if if uh, Dave and AD agree, but I'm a back four man with uh, with Cooper. Whether we see that on Saturday is is to be seen. I think it was a mixture of injuries as well that forced him into it. I think Do you a have back, a preference eight in formations well, generally. I was just about to say. I, I think uh, to me a back four, a back five rather, is a sign of you're worried. You're worried you're going to concede goals, so you're putting an extra man back there to try and beef it up a little bit, which I would have thought seems pretty unnecessary in Yeovil's case. Um, you know, they, if I was the opposition manager, I would have been saying, look, you know, they, they, they're going back five. They must be worried about us, uh, which is not what, you know, you don't want to send that message out, do you? So um, from that point of view, but, you know, apparently as the uh, combination of... Um, Tom Bailey and um, Scott McTombelay came over on the radio. Um, we were sort of queuing up for chances and somehow managing to miss them all the time, which is a bit uh, frustrating. And it and it does sort of um, it does kind of worry me a little bit in so much that the number of times you seem to see a team such as Jovel did when they got fourteen wins on the trot, I think it was. Um, and then suddenly, when the when the the you know the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the um... what the nobody oh, knows that this is a beautiful game. Mm. Well, what, what, what word is Adrian thinking of, listeners? I'm, I'm trying to think of well, the curse, if you like, is, is suddenly when it attacks them and they they you know the the, um, the sequence breaks, then suddenly it's so difficult to get back onto you know you, you can't seem to just perhaps drop one result and then go straight back in again and start a brand new run. It, it seems to go on for a while. And uh, that seems to be what's happening with the Oval at the moment. And, um, well, nothing we can do about it. It's up to the boys to get out there and keep it coming. But uh, it's, it's, it, it, hop, it happens very often, I fancy, if you, if you follow the results. I think Ipswich are uh, at the moment, I think they're on about 14 or something like that results. And... Uh, be interesting to see what happens to them when their sequence breaks. But um, we're still there. We're still eight or nine points clear, I think, aren't we, Tom? Eight points clear? Uh, I think it's seven clear. Seven, but is it? Right. That's still two games at least. And so have we got games in hand? Good. Not anymore. All right, OK. So we want to build that up again, don't we, really? But we do play, as Rick re uh, referenced, we play Hampton and Richmond on Saturday with myself and Rick. We'll be in the commentary box for that one. Rick, if you've remembered. <laughs> and um, they're currently in third position. So, you know, there's an opportunity, depending on what happens with Maidstone, to certainly get further ahead, particularly, obviously, if they take three points from a what seems to be a rival looking at the table at the moment. And Yeovil are always back themselves at home. Hampton as well have looked really good. Well, they haven't lost since we beat them, which was end of September, start of October. So they've they've been on a really good run as well. And they beat South End of the weekend on penalties. So if we can beat them and they can beat them, it should be a really good game. And they gave us a good game when we went there. So I'm really looking forward to it. Switch your microphone on, Dave. <laughs> that would help, wouldn't it, if it I did that? Help, yeah. Um <laughs> Ever the professional Dave Pryor? Have you been? Oh, I know. So many buttons, so many buttons. Ooh. You'd think I'd done this before, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, is there any um, concerns for you, Tom, particularly at the moment? Now, I I say that with a view of obviously, I appreciate that I, I mentioned that a, a couple of weeks ago when Yeovil's winning road run that AD reference came to an end. And whilst you know the seven points clear, there obviously is no need to panic, and I don't really mean it in too much of a um, sort of a complaining point of view from a fan's perspective, but more so just the fact that the win that they did get in this little mini sequence they've got was at Bath and you were there for that one as well with Thorpey and 
you know, it was a bit of a stinker, but they came out on the right side of it. There's been a few draws in there as well. Is there any concerns at all? Or is it just more of a case if you're going to have a mini run, maybe have it now and whilst you're still seven points clear at the top of the table? I don't think there's too many concerns. I'm trying to think of the full run we've had. So we had a draw at Chippenham, a loss at Welling. We had a cup game in there against Wrexham. Yes. We had the win against Bath, the draw against Dartford, and I can't remember our last one. That, yeah, that was it. That was the that was because I thought one. we had. Oh, it was the Torquay one as well. That was it. We had the Torquay loss. Oh yes, in the we in fully the trophy, expected yes. that. Yeah, that's so long ago already. <laughs> um, so I mean, in the league, that's a win, two draws, and a loss. So out of twelve points, what six, and they're all away. I don't think that's that bad. And considering we played Bath, admittedly, the Welling one was a tragic loss that shouldn't happen again very similar to the haven't one it sounds but um Chippenham played pretty well we didn't look great but they didn't either and Dartford that was just a really good game from both sides and they're always a good team so I think we played some really tricky teams and done all right I think we've set such high expectations that people are expecting more and more so I don't think there's anything to worry about yet I think if we were to lose on Saturday and then maybe lose again the week after, which I'm not trying to manifest at all. But I think if we lost both of them, we can start to be a little bit worried. But for now, why bother? We're still seven points clear. I think that's a good place to finish and say that, um, so reference there, that is myself and Rick that will be in the chair, the chairs on Saturday afternoon. So uh, do join us on Three Valleys Radio for that one already in prep, Rick. Yes. I will be on the day, he says. <laughs> I'm going to prep by going to an 80s disco on the Friday evening <laughs> and only drinking cordial, I promise. I'll tell you what then, let's break it down. If you research Hampden and I'll do Richmond, we'll do it like that. Okay, take one apiece. Uh, that seems fair. That seems yep. fair. Well, uh, let's get into the... Let's not. Let's get into the Premier League. Don't worry, Rick, because I'm going to do it in time order. So you're not first up on the billing. Um, it's Liverpool, of course, getting a late win uh, oh, at Selhurst God. Park. VAR Liverpool. dominated oh. proceedings. Um, I'm not really getting a lot from Adrian Rick at the moment. So, Tom, even though you're the fan, I don't normally go for the fan first, but you can muck in first on this one. Good win. Important win. I wouldn't necessarily say a good win. Um, I mean, I didn't get to watch any of it as, of course, I was on the way to uh, Kent. But um, I think we got away with it a bit. Um, VAR-wise, I think I agree with most of the decisions. But all I can say as well is a great finish from Elliot. I'm trying to say as much as I can without Rick trying to jump in on me. Um Elliot, great goal from him. Should have definitely been closed down better, but class finish, admittedly, against a weaker keeper. Um, nice of Salah to be in the right place at the right time as well. Um, VAR tried taking the reins on it, but um, I think, again, a fair few. 30 times, well. I think, the first one was shown. 30? 30 times. Which one was that? Was that the, the foul from Hughes? Yes. I think that was... I don't know about the other two. I think that was actually spot on. Although I would agree it was a penalty. If they didn't call it back, I would have I would have agreed it was a penalty. Um, but it was also a foul. So Yeah, I just didn't understand why that one needed 30, 30 takes. So like I appreciate we've always said before that, you know, give the referee an opportunity to see it in normal speed as well. And he did yeah. that. But then they still went back to slow down and then they went to sped up again. And I thought Okay, we're just going backwards and forwards now. And was it about four and a half minutes, five minutes before they made the decision? It was just astonishing, really, just the time that it took. Um, I don't know about you, Tom. You mentioned in the decisions there. Um, the, the Palace one, upon reflection, I can see why. But again, it's like if VAR weren't there, then no one, I don't think even Mateta asked for it, did he? It was very much a case of, why is the game stopped was the general consensus from from the ground. But, you know, for me, the only real sort of contentious one, if you like want to call it that, was I used sort of first yellow. But even so, 
nine times out of ten, you do get booked for standing there, regardless if the ball hits you or not, doesn't it? That's yeah. what I've always tend to see. I think but... it was a soft second yellow, but I could see it. But it was soft. Um, the the Kwanzaa tackle on, well, quote unquote tackle, um, I think wasn't a foul. I think again that was VAR. How long was it, by the way, um, after that tackle that they did pause the game and look at that? Because I on the match of the day commentary they said it was a few minutes before they called it back, and I was like, it, the phase of play is finished. Why are we looking at it now? I don't understand. And it would be the, if it's an immediate call, I get it. But if you're calling things back from like ten minutes ago, you're actively finding things to change now. It feels wrong, and I also think it was a poor call simply because. Well, yes, he didn't touch the ball and he did only hit Mateta. He's swung for a tackle. Does this mean we're not allowed to try and tackle at all anymore? Where does it stop where you're not allowed to put your foot in anywhere? Because if you make any contact with the player, you're going to give away a foul or, or, or a penalty or whatever. Where does it stop? I, I don't know. It feels a bit silly, but I can see their thought process behind it. What about your thought process, Rick Hyatt? In what manner? What 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 would you like me to say? It's like being back in the eighties. Well, minutes. lots of lots of gesturing going on from your square there. So, uh, yeah. anything that you disagree with mine and Tom's comments? Uh not you about the decision themselves. You and or... you and you and Tom are fine, admirable chaps who passing merely passing the opinion. Unlike the complete look who was in charge of that game at Crystal Palace on Saturday. Have... Andy, Andy Madley, wasn't it? Andy Madley, yes. Coming to a championship or League One game <laughs> near you soon, hopefully. Second yellow card. Uh, nah. And then from the first attack after that, we're 10 minutes away from a marvellous result for the sake of football. Those plucky Crystal Palaces going to get a, an against-the-odds win. And then, oh, isn't it strange how ever since a certain... Uh, Clown asked for replays for decisions he doesn't like. Every single decision possible has gone Liverpool's way and they get a player sent off. First shot, Liverpool score. And then it's back and it's 2-1 to Liverpool in a game that they should have lost. It's incredible. And I don't think it's for the benefit of... Uh, there's the, you, you would almost think, and far be it from me to suggest that there's an agenda there, but you'd almost think that there was... Are you in agreement with Rick Hyatt or Tom Bailey, A.D. Hopper? What do you think? <laughs> the voice of reason, Adrian Hopper. Yeah. Over to you. I have to work with the guests that are available, Tom. <laughs> I could take exception to that last remark, Mr. Pryor. Um, well, what did I think? Well, first of all, I thought the delay in the, in the VAR response, as Tom's pointed out, is, was ludicrous, quite honestly. Mm. Totally ludicrous. That's not what it's there for. It's not meant to be that like that at all. That clear and obvious. Well, yeah. So it took them 10 minutes to decide it was clear and obvious then, did it? Um, plus the fact that, I must admit, I used to think back in the day when Jürgen arrived on the scene that initially he seemed to come over quite well initially. I'm going back about, what, how long has he been in there? 10 years? Something like that, I suppose, isn't it? Um, uh, good question. It might be eight well, it's a fair, fair while, isn't it? It was like a life. But now he's just become a self-opinionated little prick, really. I think. Uh, Adrian, did you see? Did you see his performance midweek when he? Uh, what's his? What's his? What's his, ah? I forget. Marcus Buckner, isn't it? The. Uh... Oh yeah, on Amazon Prime, wasn't it? Yeah, on Amazon Prime. That was disgusting. His performance then was absolutely yeah. appalling. The bloke's trying to do his job, and because something doesn't go the way Kloppo thinks it should. Tories come out of the pram. He's making a. He's becoming a parody of himself, and he's a. He's not a very nice piece of work. Sorry, Adrian. Could, carry on. No, Can I jump you, in quickly on that? I, I, uh, I second your emotion because I quite agree. I think he's just turned into a nasty little tosser at the moment. I'm afraid, but um, you know, as you said, once it had gone one-one, it was always going to go two-one, wasn't it? Unfortunately, um, and I don't suppose. Uh, Roy Hodgson's criticising his own players has helped an awful lot in their morale up the, at uh, Selhurst Park. But um, I don't know, they're top of the table now. Can they stay there? 
Well, I don't know. We'll see. They've got an easy team to beat next week, haven't they? So got a bye next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come on to that. But, Tom, did you just want to come in there on Klopp? Before um, I finish, though, before you... Sorry, Tom. Before I... Uh, Rick, what is that peculiar round thing you've got round your dartboard? This is excellent radio, Adrian. It's it's a light. Is it? Oh. Yeah. It's well, wonder you don't break it with your darts. But anyway. Right, carry on, Tom. Um, oh, no, what was I saying? Oh, Klopp. Um, I think, again, it was a, a strong response. But <laughs> when you've got the stats to back up that we've had over double any 12.30 kickoffs than How any other team in the Premier League. What difference does that make? What difference does it make? Okay, no. so say Thursday night you're playing in France or Switzerland, for example, where it's a couple of hours ahead. Evening kickoff, so that's 7.30. You finish at 9 o'clock, so 10 o'clock in Tom, in they Europe. are sportsmen. They're supposed to be fit. They're paid a bloody fortune for playing the game. and they But they're also human. A... I don't agree. I mean... They're sportsmen. They're fit. I think Adrian. I think you'll find that Tom's right. They are actually. They are human beings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying well, is, the is that isn't. you finish Thursday night. You go back to the hotel, or you fly back that night. You get home at one a.m., two a.m., or even the next day, next sort of morning, like eleven a.m. You then go home, rest. Then you've got Saturday for. Oh no, I get myself mixed up. It's Wednesdays, isn't it? Well, if he had Sundays, then for example. You've got Friday to rest, Saturday no, to train. It's Thursdays anyway, because they're in the Europa League. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting that mixed up. But you've got Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. They're tricky as well. But you've also got, in your case at least, for Champions League, if you've got a Wednesday night, you go home Wednesday night, fly home Thursday night, sorry, Wednesday night or Thursday morning. You then get home for Thursday afternoon. You've got Friday to rest or train. And this is coming from a different time zone as well. For example, when you fly back from Turkey for the United game, you've got Saturday to, again, maybe train or play. Or if that's a 12.30 kickoff, you've got maybe a day and a half of rest. When you're playing at that level and that speed, it catches up when you've got 38 games plus six European games, four cup games if you get a bit of a run. All of a sudden that catches up and it's they're putting under more and more constraints when you've got more than double the lunchtime kickoffs than any other team it doesn't really feel like it's being distributed very fairly and i'm not saying that there is an agenda i think we're unlucky i don't think they're doing it on purpose but it's not exactly fair you think there'd be some sort of something in place to like you say evenly distribute who plays where but broadcast um, isn't it the broadcasters get the choice yeah, generally it's, it's tnt it was definitely brave of the of the broadcaster to to say that because he must know what Klopp's like at the moment. It was only going to go down one way. He's lovely and jolly and laughing when everything's going his way, isn't he? But he is just about. He must be the most petulant manager in the in the Premier League, and that was poking at a open wound. One, it's a silly question, really. Minus one. Pep is more petulant. Yeah, but Pep's more sarcastic. And that's petulant. Yeah. Okay. They're I pep. think Klopp, he, I agree, is... petulant. <laughs> oh, God. Klopp, I agree, is petulant, but Pep's worse for me. Maybe that's biased, but I don't know. I agree, though, that he can be a bit whiny sometimes. I suspect the police might have something to do with it, though. I'm sure they put their sixpenneth in when they decide what time these kick off. They haven't had a number one for ages, so I expect they're quite cross. <laughs> Moving on. What what one that might have gone over your head, Tom? I don't know. They're banned. Yeah, there it that. is. Yeah, there it is. All right. Well, we'll move on. But unfortunately, chaps, I'm only going to be able to move move on slightly um, across on the on the Atlas as we go to Manchester. No, um, I think you'll find it's Brighton and Hove Albion against Burnley next. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, no one needs to needs to know about that. We need time to be able to talk about this. About Burnley, let him talk about Burnley for half an hour, and then we'll sign off. Nothing, nothing to see here. What would you rather talk about, Eddie? Brighty Burnley or Manchester United Bournemouth? Take your pick. Well, we've got to talk about United sometimes, so I can't. Put yeah, it go on, break in whilst you've got time. Yeah. What can Thoughts? I say? What can I say? It was dreadful. Dreadful. And uh, I cannot understand 
McTominay getting not McTominay, um, Bruno Fernandes getting booked when he knew damn well he was going to get suspended if he got booked. And he goes and opens his gate up and starts obviously offending the referee. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. But there we go. Needs some presumably, changes. Presumably Rick's going to tell me that they're very unlucky and it was all the referee's fault and it was nothing to do with the performance. Am I right, Rick? Am I close? You couldn't be further from the truth, Flower. <laughs> fair, play, fair play to Bournemouth uh, with, with their caretaker manager because obviously they sacked <laughs> the real one months ago, as predicted on this podcast. Can I wouldn't the, have sacked him. Can the real Iriola please stand up? Yeah. <laughs> no, Bournemouth thoroughly deserved it. They, they took their chances. But United didn't look up for it right from the, right from the first minute. They didn't at all. And if Fernandez got himself booked so that he misses out on the Liverpool game, then he never ought to play for United again, let alone be... So I've not seen this. I've seen that there's lots of talk about this. Is there genuine suspicion that it did look what? that way, from well, your opinion? Prior to that, Mr Pryor, the Danny van der Beek was going to come on and potentially that would have meant Bruno coming off with 10 minutes to go, which I was, I was watching it with my son and I said, well, that makes sense because... He's obviously protecting him. He knows that he's a booking away from missing the game against uh, Jurgen Klopp's mighty Reds. And uh, so he wants to wants him to play in that one. And then they didn't make that substitution, made a couple other substitutions. And to get booked for mouthing off, which is the one thing, it's difficult to intentionally get yourself... It's not difficult. As uh, Jordan I found out, you don't you only got to breathe on people when you pick up a second yellow card these days. But uh, it would have been harder for him to manipulate the situation physically and pick up a yellow card than it would. You just go and give the referee a mouthful of abuse in a game that you've got no chance of winning. You're going to get a booking, aren't you? And he knew the consequences of that. So I just, for all that that he offers, and I understand the fact that he winds everybody else up or the opposition up is a reason that uh, you're going to love him anyway. But that was just stupid. That was beyond stupid. And you know, it was the right result. As a United fan watching that, you can't you can't argue with it. It was it was a fair result. Did it cross your mind as to why Ten Hag didn't pull him off before then? No. When we because were 3-0 apparently... down? Pardon? I said when we were 3-0 down. Yeah, I would have taken him off. There was nothing to be gained from it. No. And should, in fact, in fairness, if it wasn't for this silly handball rule and the VAR, it would have been 4-0. Yeah, quite. Which, which would have been a fair fair reflection. You, United need sorting out, and it's a different, boring subject for many hours of podcasts and people who know more about football than me have tried to get to the bottom of it, but it's it's a patchwork quilt at the moment. Well, let, let, let me ask another question, Rick, because I... I was talking to Aidy on the phone earlier today, and we, I think you mentioned it on the pod not that long ago, but I find it very difficult to, to gauge Manchester United at the moment. They're fast becoming the, Try the, hardest, the hardest team to predict. We've gone through various different teams as being the hardest ones to predict. But when we started talking about crisis a few weeks ago, it was then pointed out they're actually they're not doing too badly. It's more European results and they won manager of the month and all this. And they're actually not too far behind in the league. You take the game out of isolation on Saturday and they're still, you know, it's still not too far away, are they? It's just, yeah. is it just um, indicative of where everybody is in the league right now? Is there a, and, and they just sort of fall somewhere within it. I, I find it really difficult because now all the subsequent podcasts and write-ups come out about United in crisis, whereas a week ago it was, are United in crisis? Because actually they're not doing as bad as the stats suggest. So I really don't know where they are. Manchester United have turned the corner so many times they're going round in circles. <laughs> I think was my favourite line from it. There are, there are people that need to lose their job way before you get to Eric Ten Hag. There are a lot of people higher up and on the playing staff that need to go out the door before before he does. Otherwise, it's, it's rinse and repeat, isn't it? What happens? You know exactly what will happen. You get an interim in, until the end of the season, appoint somebody, you'll have a half, one half decent season, 18 months' time, we're in exactly the same situation again. You've got, you've got to back him. You've got to make a decision and back him. I mean, he's doing 
some things that are bizarre, like Luke Shaw playing at centre-back when you've got Varane on the bench. I mean, that's a bit loony, but then there must be internal reasons reasons for that. So I just think that uh, Ten Hag is the one you've got to stick with for the time being. And give it, give him a proper go. Anyway, despite, if you did get rid of him, who the hell would you bring in at the moment? Who'd want it? Well, who'd want it, but who would you bring in anyway? Who would go on the list? Well, let's talk quite briefly, Tom, from a, from a Bournemouth perspective, because, yes, I know that you've been particularly disappointed with them earlier on in the season. I must stress earlier on in the season. And since your prediction, obviously, they've gone along You wouldn't want to be well. a manager of a club that um, Freddie McTomblay is the chairman of, would you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at this, am I? <laughs> the dreaded... <laughs> Boat of confidence. Boat of confidence from, from Tom Bailey, yeah. Um but do you think this result kind of feels worse on paper? Like, don't get me wrong, it's a bad result. But All right. People, people still see Bournemouth, as uh, Roy Hodgson described them on Wednesday, as tiny Bournemouth. And that sort of, in isolation, makes the result sound worse because it almost feels like a FA Cup upset or something of a lower league team going to Old Trafford and turning them over. Do you think there's always been a little bit of disrespect to, to Bournemouth, but they're absolutely flying at the moment, aren't they? I think there's been a little bit of disrespect. I think particularly in in post this game, they earn their flowers. and well, Sorry, they've not been given the flowers they deserve. Um, all hail King Iriola. I've even learned his name. Um, he's he's done pretty well, hasn't he? And suddenly my prediction from the start of the season is not looking quite so bad. I I was worried that I'd made a, a bit of a howler there. Had them about mid-table, but they're coming back. Um, really impressive from Marcus Tavernier. I think he's been really, really good. Two really nice uh, assists for him on Saturday. Um I'm trying not to talk about United because Bournemouth deserve their praise. Um, I think there was a phase of play where Milos Kerkoj, I've probably got his name wrong, um, summed up their uh, their performance in its entirety where he made a block, got up and made another block from two like cannons that had been fired at him. Um, they're resilient. Um, they're effective. They did exactly what they needed to do. Um, everyone did their job. Philip Billing still looks great. I think he's going to be in the Premier League for years to come. I mean, he has been already, but he'll continue to be brilliant. Um, Likely yeah. with Bournemouth, Tom, because they're not Likely. going down. No, not at the moment, it seems. No, um, I think the the relegation race may almost be done, but we'll touch on that later. But yeah, I think really, really good from Bournemouth. Um, United, shambolic, but I think these two have already said everything that needs to be said about them. So I shan't pile on any further. Well, with that in mind, Rick, should we talk Burnley now? I don't know. Mr. Hopper's the Burnley expert. I don't know where I inherited such a, an accolade, I'm sure, because I... <laughs> we'll tell you it's after because it's, it's ever since you said that you saw the company documentary that you are now our Burnley correspondent. Only that I commented that their directors kept uh, going into the dressing room all the time, which <laughs> yeah. I thought was uh, entirely unprofessional. But anyway, carry on. 1-1 one, one at, at Brighton. That probably... Well, I mean... They they need wins desperately, don't they? But I mean, sort of in isolation, a point away at Brighton, it's not it's not too bad for them. No, it's not, and it it also begs the question: what's gone wrong with Brighton as well? Because they were, you know, going all guns at one point, but now they're suddenly very erratic, a bit like United at the moment. Um, you know, they. I don't know, but I mean, maybe maybe Burnley are beginning to get the idea of what they're supposed to do now. But uh, may, maybe maybe um, too many players left the club uh, in the close season because they thought that oh we're in the Premier League now. But maybe if they'd given the uh, the Championship side a little bit more uh, time to uh, perform, they might might have uh, you know played better and got up to the mark that they wanted to. Small steps, Rick, but do you think this is a step towards the right direction? They've not had a bad 10 days or so, albeit a close defeat to Wolves in there, but are you seeing signs of life, albeit small ones? It's a point gained and a point that means that they'll finish second bottom. And that's about it, really. What about Brighton? Do you, do you think that they, they this is just kind of a, pre, a prerequisite of 
Europe and the injuries that seem to be catching up with them at the moment as well. Yeah, they haven't won. They haven't won, won in ages, have they? They've had certainly had a load of injuries, and Estepan at the back seems to be the one that's. Really... Oh, I think they won in midweek, didn't they? When Hinchwood, the young lad, scored, but that was the first one for a while. I think there's been yeah. quite a lot of draws in there, particularly at home. Yeah. But they're they're going through a tough period, but they'll be secure enough in the Premier League. They'll be there again next season. So... That's the thing, Rick, isn't it? Because they're doing well in the Europe. Europe suddenly, if they were to finish fourteenth or something and did well in Europe, people will still see it as a poor. I remember that finish, but actually. Yeah. You know that's still pretty good for them, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. They're in that middle section in the in the Premier League, and that's where they will be until they get a decent crop together and can keep hold of them and, and challenge for the for the top places. But I mean, they're secure enough. It's just a bit. They are the the hipsters' choice, Dave. Moving on. Are they? There it is. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um. Tom, we'll, we'll, we'll move on for that one and sort of link it into what everything that's going on at the bottom because uh, Sheffield United got a bloody good win on they Saturday did. afternoon. 1-0 over Brentford. They did a win. And McAtee, I did see this goal, uh, got a little bit of a bit of a stunner, that one. A bit of a nice juicy one into the top corner. Clean sheet as well. Wilder-esque. Do they have a chance, Tom Bailey? No, absolutely not. Um, good if win not, for why them. not? Important win, but they're going down. There's there's no point in even speculating. Um, it could have... I'm not sure if it was the weather, but, and again, I'm only going off highlights, but um, it felt like a really sloppy game from both sides. Um, Sheffield United just held it together better. Um, they could have easily had a couple more as well. Cameron Archer looked really good. He's got the makings of a really talented player uh for the future um you could tell that brentford missed and burmo a lot um your, your front two of um well i can't even remember the second one but yeah Visser was in there um he's a good bench option but that's a did mope play uh oh but yeah that's why i couldn't remember him is because he's pointless um they could have also been down to 10 men because frank on right from the start could have easily gone off for two well yeah two in, in the space challenges. of like 10 seconds wasn't it yeah, he could have easily gone, to be honest. So I'm uh, I'm surprised they had 10 men to uh, finish the game anyway. But look, Sheffield United, they did what they needed to do. Um, a great finish from McAtee. That's going to put his stock up as well. Um, I think they could be happy, but they won't stay up. So enjoy the ride while it lasts. Much to add to that, AD? Not really. Chris Wilder's an experienced manager, and he certainly did uh, do some good things with Sheffield United when he was there to start with. Um, it's sort of rather been undone now by the um, following managers that moved in after him, but uh, I don't know whether he's got enough about him to better pull him out of the, the mire. I wouldn't have thought so. I tend to agree with Tom there that they've only got one possible way to go now, and that's uh, probably down. What about Brentford, Rick? Is this sort of... We've spoken about them a few times this season, being a little bit sort of up and down a little bit, got a few injuries and stuff themselves, just to put down as a bad day at the office. Yeah, you lose your two best players. That everything attacking and good for that club seems to uh, to channel through, and you're going to get... This is the consequence of it. So, But th again, they're in a the similar sort of band, I think, as as Brighton... And potentially the next two that we're going to talk about as well. You know, they'll be safe. And it comes in waves. You have good times, you have bad times. You take out of it what you can. And uh, this Wilder's runaway army are doomed. Well, someone who we did think was possibly doomed after midweek was uh, Cooper. that You just referenced it there. Steve Cooper, of course. But uh, Forrest came out with a creditable, I would say, 1-1 one -one draw. At Wolves, Rick, do you think this is going to be enough though in terms of job security? What do you reckon? Nothing's come out today as we talk. I think it was going to. It would have come out over the course of the the weekend. So I, th I think I'd like to think he's going to be safe. He's done a good job there, and it's got a good good. Did you see he was linked with the Crystal Palace job this week? Well, that's because Roy's doing his best to talk himself out of that job, isn't he? So otherwise, there wouldn't be a need to find a Crystal Crystal Palace manager. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that he's in that sort of 
area of the of the Premier League, that sort of standard of standard of club. And if he did go there, he'd he'd, he'd do a, a damn good job, probably, as he is doing, I think, at at Forest. And you know that that was very much a one-all draw from the from the off. I think that game. Can't remember oh. what I predicted. I was just I was just probably thinking one-all that. Draw. I have to refer back to that one. Yeah, in hindsight, it's obvious, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I might have got um, it wrong. From a Wolves perspective, Tom, we've you know we've, most of the boys on on here this season have spoken good things about um, Gary O'Neill, and they've been a little bit unlucky. Uh, I don't think there was any two contentious decisions in this game. It was just sort of a, I think by his own admission, I think he felt that they probably should have done more to get the win and probably just settled for the draw in the end. Really. Yeah, I think so. Um, again, for it gets just highlights from me, but I think Forrest probably deserved the win just about. So a dogged point for Wolves, but um... which is great to bounce back from the, obviously the performance or lack of performance they put in at Fulham three days yeah. before or whatever it was. Yeah, I think as well. Um, a the Forest fans love him, and I think there'd be mutiny if they were to get rid of Steve Cooper. B, I think they'd be silly because he's actually a really good manager, and I think Crystal Palace couldn't really do much worse than sign up Chris, uh, Steve. And Cooper. if you're listening, Mr. Chairman, don't be silly. Don't, don't be, be silly. silly. Listen no, to Tom Bailey. The voice <laughs> of patience as a chairman. Oh yeah, yeah. We've established that. Um, I think as well he's been unlucky with some of the results. I mean, three-two against West Ham and away, so that was the first of the four. Um, losses at home to Brighton and I mean that game was just chaos so anything could have happened in that and admittedly drab 1-0 at home to Everton and then midweek against Fulham where we don't talk about that Um, I think he's been unlucky and I think the media are sensationalising something that's not there I think if he didn't make the end of the season Forrest could be in trouble I think he's their best shot of staying up and Anthony Langer has got to score that goal, by the way. I don't know how that's counted off the bar. The boys don't matter now. He, does, he doesn't play for United anymore, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he misses those chances, does it? The reason he was sold. <laughs> <laughs> you could have used that against Bournemouth. What, people that miss open goals? Yeah, no, we got <laughs> don't need any more. Um, the last game on Saturday, Aid, I'll come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Aston Villa... With another win, another W at uh, Villa Park. I think it's the best run of home form result ever, did I see, under Unai Emery at Villa, which is astonishing. Opening question, are they in the title race? I think they've got to be now. The way they're going to beat uh, Manchester City and Arsenal in two successive games... I mean, uh, that's a hell of a week. It doesn't get much better than that, does no, it? No, certainly doesn't. And, uh, and very sweet for Unai Emery, even more so, I'm sure. Yeah, well, exactly. Especially, with, you know, Arsenal didn't give him uh, enough credit. I don't think perhaps they, they should have, you know, maintained him there for a bit longer. But uh, no, you've got, to, you've got to hold your hands up and say, hang on a minute, they're, they're coming with a, a strong challenge. And I don't think it's too long before Man United go there as well. So there's another dodgy game to look forward to. But they're, they're playing, you know, I mean, the way that uh, John McGinn took the, took the goal as well. I mean, God, you know, it was uh, clinical, wasn't it? And uh, now... McGinney Esther's having a great old time, isn't he? Yeah. No, they're, At the they're, moment. They are doing extremely well. And, um, yeah, and I think it would be make a pleasant change if, if they did come along and... Uh, and win the championship. I don't. I don't, I, oh, I, don't I was going to say if they if they do I mean, well, the Aid, if they do well, isn't that a bad thing? Because it means it's another place that you know potentially someone like United might get knocked back on. Well, it, it is potentially, yeah. But <clears throat> I mean, I think most of us have given up on even thinking the top four now. The way things are going, I know they're not that far off it, but you can't expect to get into the top four playing so in, erratically as they are. One minute. They beat Chelsea the next minute. They lose to Bournemouth. It's ridiculous. But uh, no, I mean Villa are they're going well, they're going well. And, and to think I knocked Ollie Watkins out of my fantasy side. <laughs> 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 What's a move that was, eh? But um, <clears throat> no, they're going well. They're going well. Rick, in terms of the game itself, um, there was a quote-unquote contentious moment towards the end where. Um, AD said, hold your hands up. And I think that's exactly what 
the player in question did hit. Was it Havertz? Have I got that right? Um, I think it hit a hand on on the way in. What I what think... did you make of this? Was it was it the right decision? Oh, the one that hit Cash on the hand first. Uh yes, it was a bit of a. And then they were checking to see if there should have actually been a penalty in there. I think. Oh, uh, it's clutching at straws. I think Villa deserve everything they're getting at the moment. They're well structured with a decent manager who's finally got the backing that he he needs and he's he's building a, a, a nice little team there. And I think that you'll find that Aston Villa are the choice to win the league of everybody that doesn't want... Because nobody wants Arsenal to win it, let's be honest. Other than Arsenal fans, no one wants that. Manchester City have got 115 reasons why they shouldn't do it. And, and it's not a season with an asterisk in it. So the other lot can't win. So I think it's it's what it's what the people want. The people want an Aston Villa title win. Rick, are they the hipsters' choice? Are they the no, new hipsters' Brighton, choice? And it always will be. And well, you know it. Stop being <laughs> boy. Everyone knows Brighton are the hipsters' choice, and they always will be. <laughs> but Aston Villa this season are Ricky's choice. Make it Ricky's choice this Christmas. Yeah, well, not this Christmas. Christmas <laughs> I've got him on Boxing Day. It's going to really nap up my Christmas, isn't it? Brilliant. Got that to look forward to. Uh, yeah, everything does seem to be getting a little bit tasty towards the top of the table, Tom. But um, I'll, I'll flip it over to Sunday as I come to you next because, um, well, where should we start? May as well do it in order with four games left. Um, I've not seen much of Sunday's action yet, so I don't know if you have, Tom, but I'm going to rely on you boys to help me get through this because all I've really got are the results and I saw some of the Luton Man City match. Um, Everton 2, Chelsea 0. Um, Everton, I don't know for sure, but it certainly feels like they're one of the informed teams in the country at the moment. And is this just going to get better and better as they start to bound together after the Premier League's decision to dock them 10 points? Um I don't know if that's had an influence in it, but what I do know is that this 3-0 loss against United is looking more and more like an anomaly every single week. Um, draw against Again, Brighton. the league makes no sense. It makes... I don't understand what's going on. Like, Everton, are, play, <laughs> Everton are playing well, which is just wrong in itself. Chelsea are still rubbish, which is wonderful, but still bizarre in itself and we were well. bigging up villa tom as title possibly title contenders title exactly won't go say title favorites they lost 5-1 on the opening weekend <laughs> it's it's mental the league is mental mental um, barclays yeah, absolutely barclays it, it does beg the question if everton's appeal against the 10 point deduction is uh upheld in some way um you know they could suddenly <laughs> They could suddenly become a dark horse if they keep winning the way they are. <clears throat> if if they take the the points deduction out, they'd be tenth, mm. which just feels so wrong. They should be fourteenth forever, just in purgatory of no hope, but just doing 14th. enough. Fourteenth isn't that isn't that Crystal Palace land? Exactly, they should be in, in the land of Crystal Palace, where just nobody remembers they're even in the league. That's very um, harsh, Tom. Everybody, I, I think Merseyside deserves to have a, a decent, successful team. Anyway, um, and they did. I think Tranmere aren't doing very well this year. I know. <laughs> um, Reese James has also proven why he is possibly the worst captain in the Premier League because he is a part-time. Oh, I don't know. He works from home. He's a work from home captain. He's the first Premier League captain there, to ever work from home. What has happened there? We were talking about one of the. You know, we were talking about England having so many strong candidates at right back. He was a machine and he looked like he was going to be a world beater. And he has fallen off a cliff. He's like, still a good player. Player. He's injured then. If he's fallen off a cliff, that's like <laughs> a That will be what it is. Yeah. I mean, his drop off, Tom, has been extraordinary for a while what, now. from that cliff? <laughs> <laughs> this metaphorical cliff. Yes, he's, it's, it's a long way down. He's, he's a great player, but... You, was. if your hamstrings, it was, yeah, well, it, no, because he's just injured all the time. If he's, if you've got hamstrings made of cheese, you're not going to win anything because you can can't be a play. good player kicking it around in your garden, Tom. Exactly. You can be, uh, I don't know, I don't know. He's, he's a really good player. And if I were England manager, I would put him in over Trent because he's such a difficult person to put in, Trent. Um, I think he's a better all rounder, although going forward, Trent is obviously the better choice, but 
it's captain, really. If your captain's going to play six games a season, why are you picking him as your captain? He's the first work-at-home captain I've ever seen. and <laughs> Work-at-home Chelsea. captain, I like that. Chelsea, Chelsea are just, just I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, don't know where where, are, where are, well put this out to all of you boys. Where are Chelsea? Is there is there an acceptance now? West that, London that they are <laughs> that they are just <laughs> where they are in the table, and maybe Poch will get a little bit of time because there seems to be an acceptance that this is just where they are right now. Or or are we going to see a decision at Stamford Bridge sooner rather than later? Because no one's really talking about it. But looking at where they are in the table, Rick, I mean. Probably not far away from those questions being asked back around again. They're an absolute mess and a shambles, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm very much enjoying it because it takes the attention, or should take the attention away from the team I support, getting all the getting pilloried left, right, and centre. Chelsea are actually in a worse position and are an absolute basket case of a club. Yeah, hey, I mean, and much more to add to that. I don't think there is, is there? They are a shambles. Well, I see Potts just said he wants more money now to buy some more players, as if they haven't yeah, enough already. Yeah, I did see running. that. I think, yeah, blimey. I mean, He's they, Daddy Bowley. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, it'll it'll certainly show whether Putch is um, a good manager or not, because if he can get something out of this shambles in the remaining, how many months is it? Five, six months, whatever. Um, he'll have done really well considering what a mess it is now. Well, we've only got three, ga- three games left, so I'm, I'm going to keep it You've only got four minutes order. left as well. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll extend it a little bit. <laughs> give the listeners a treat whilst our internet is working. Yeah, David. Whilst the internet is working. Let's give yeah. them a treat. Why not? Well, um, Aid, I'll stick with you because Fulham scored five. Have yeah. you spoken to... Um, yeah. Have you spoken to... Oh, I forgot. Have you spoken to Mr Mayo? Is he Okay. No, he's West Ham, not Fulham. Yeah, I know, and they got battered by the five nil. But Fulham have had two fives on the trot, haven't they? And um, yeah, it's it's amazing, really. You wouldn't ten goals from two games. That's that's phenomenal for Fulham, I think. Especially for a team that couldn't score any goals. Well, just because they've lost Mitrovic, haven't they? Since they lost him, I mean, it it sort of kind of looked a bit odd. But I mean. uh, now they're going like a bomb, aren't they? Really, but I mean, I don't think they can get that much further though at the moment. But, but it'd be interesting to see where they get another five next week. I don't know who they're playing, but uh, do you know who they're playing? No, you don't, do you? I can tell by the look on Tom your face. Tom will know. Tom will know. He's he's the stats man. Oh, next stadium. week. What have we got next week? Mm. Jason Tindall. What Bournemouth? Oh, they're playing one man. Oh, Jason Tindall's tw- uh, Newcastle, isn't he? Yeah, it's not 2019 anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. it's moved on, yeah. yeah. Newcastle. His tan's still the same, though, Rick. Oh, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous mahogany man. He was in the royal photo the other week, wasn't he? When he, he was. Yeah. He gets everywhere. He's a very popular man. <laughs> what about David Moyes at West Ham? Are they, is it just a, another sort of... David, we've, we've spoken a, properly. Oh, sorry, sorry. David Moyes. Thank you. Is, no, no, the the form they're on at the moment, Rick, is David Moyes. <laughs> it's definitely David Moyes. <laughs> Do they fall in that category as we were talking about Brentfords and Brightons? Yeah. It's just a good result one week and and a bad result here, but it's not just a bad result, it's the way that they sort of capitulated in the end. I haven't spoken to my brother, he's another West Ham fan, and uh, I need an official, apart from moaning about them never being on the telly, I'm it doesn't say an awful lot about the club, so I just need to have a word Probably with it. Probably just as well. This is yeah. why they're not on the same. Yeah. But but Fulham have just gone on this amazing goal-scoring run in the last three or four games, which is amazing. Certainly not something that was uh, was predicted. So I'm just... I'm just... It's great to see Raul Jimenez back scoring goals. Well, it's, yeah, it's good. And good goals as, at that as well. I mean, fair play to Fulham. Who, who, who knew? Who saw this coming? <clears throat> Not us here on Free Valley's radio, that's for sure. Marco Silva, probably. No, Tom Bailey would have sacked him months ago. He's he's done well to keep his job. Tom, how unlucky were uh, Luton? They uh, put up another oh, sterling effort um, against Manchester City, and to be fair, it was. I say to be fair, it seemed like two really scruffy goals from what I saw of it from Manchester City, and um, the. 
epitome of kind of going somewhere like a plucky old little Luton and just coming out with three points. No one's found it easy, and this was another example of that. I don't see how you could call Bernardo Silva's goal scruffy. I thought that was Oh, quite so a good the, the play beforehand was it was a good finish, I grant. The Jack Grealish one looked a bit yeah, scuffed. Yeah, that was more scruffy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's well, fair. he is scruffy. Yeah. So, by definition, Tom Bailey, a scruffy goal. I guess. I haven't seen them. But what I can say is, uh, well done, Luton. Um, I almost predicted this correctly as well. I, If only I'd said that Luton would actually take David the David Pryor did, because I noticed that Rick did get my <laughs> predictions in on the end. So, yes. Uh, this was definitely one for me. Not that I'm cheering a Man City win, of course. I, uh, it's... Everyone knew it was coming, so we can't really give City any plaudits. Because is this going to epitomise Luton, though, that we'll be saying on more than one occasion, oh, they did so well, but no points? Yeah, it feels a bit like the Blackpool season, where they did, re- again, they did well, but it just didn't work. I think the more respectful, well, the more respect that comes from me is the fact that they've gone about it sensibly. They've not come up and gone, oh my God, it's the Premier League, and then spent their entire budget all in one go. They've gone, yeah, we're probably not going to stay up. We'll we'll do something next time. Or, you know, we're just going to make sure we exist because of their turbulent history. Um, I greatly respect them for running themselves sensibly and really taking it to the big boys. And that includes us. I'm really impressed with them. Even if they go down, I don't care. They've done a really good job and they're a perfect example of a football club being run correctly. I don't think we should be that surprised in a way because if you think back about three or four games, Man United struggled to beat them at Old Trafford and it was only 1-0. So, I mean, this, what does that indicate? Well, the signs were there, weren't they? Yeah, on but both, they might look at it, Aid, and see that as an opportunity missed now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got yeah. they didn't get a win. <laughs> but the signs were there for both teams, weren't they? One, that United couldn't beat them any better than 1-0 and two, that they managed to Well, this is the thing with Luton, Aid. Like, they... they... And Liverpool could only get a point right at the end. They yeah. Arsenal, they were well. Arsenal needed a last-minute winner, didn't they? Mm. Um, so if they can keep that home form up, then possibly they've got a chance. But just sort of keeping it in the round of everything else, it does even look like aid with that Sheffield United win that the teams at the bottom are starting to get cut adrift a little already. Yeah, yeah, they are. Well, you can't you can't see any reason why they're not going to be cut adrift because they're not very good. Apart from Luton, who are sort of... Sometimes football can be so simple, can't it? Yeah. Adrian's cracked the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom three are just not very good. They're not very good. Yeah. They haven't got as many points as the other teams. Oh, I think, I I think that's a fair that. comment. I think that is a fair comment. Well, Rick, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll end on a little bit of positive news for you. Well, I say a bit of positive news for you. Positive news that Newcastle got battered. But on the flip side, Spurs won 4-1 on the same afternoon. <laughs> This was this was the game of the weekend that I I actually enjoyed the most watching it, and uh, it's always nice to see Newcastle conceding conceding many goals. And I think I, I bought into it a little bit, like everybody else this season. The whole Ange thing, you can't help but want him to do well, despite the fact that he's Spurs. And Spurs have stopped being Spursy for one game, and. No, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think we're definitely having an influence on things, Rick, because since a couple of weeks ago, you said, and very appropriately at the time, and still now, to be fair, you said, I don't understand why Manchester United didn't go for Kieran Trippier when he was there. He's been awful since you said that. <laughs> I've no- I noticed a couple uh, members of this pod have him in their fantasy team, and he scored a minus one this week, which I very much enjoyed. That was lovely. And Son, because of, of Haaland being at the beauty clinic and unavailable to uh, play for, for Manchester City, Son became my captain. And so I very much enjoyed the 34 points there. Thank you very much. Haaland might go to the hairdressers. I don't know about that. But I mean, uh, <laughs> he's a very attractive... No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird goth he is. Um, before we finish, then we just mentioned fantasy football. Tom, you got it there at all? Oh, I, I, I was I, I was getting it up mainly because I needed to see if I and I'm an idiot. I have Shobishlai as my vice captain, and not Salah. Um, let's see, let's have a look. The listeners haven't had a bit of an update for a while, and I haven't seen 
this week's total, but I'm well, not anticipating points-wise to have done that well this week. The league leader for this week is, in fact, not Mr. Rick Hyatt, but it is uh, Mr. Ian Welsh with 65 points. Um, his key point scorers being Salah as vice-captain and Son on the pitch as well. Um, so he wins the week, at least. Um, in eighth place, Scythire on 737. Three. Seventh place, uh, Adrian <laughs> Hopper on 760. Then a big old gap to sixth place, Mr. Rick Hyatt on 832. Um, I'm in the Europa gap. League place, Rick. So you're but I'm closing place. the gap. That was embarrassingly horrendous, that gap. So it was. I'm, I'm, I'm poised. I've had a bad week. Bad, bad week. I'm in fifth on 838. Uh, so you're only six behind me now, Rick. Um, Gav's had a worse week. Um, he's on fourth on 859. Ian jumps up into the top three with his successful week. He's on 875. Uh, nine points ahead of him is Adam Davis on 884. And... Adam, of course, has the most financially sound club. <laughs> he's got he's got 10 million in the bank still. He does. <laughs> and uh, Great Balls of Pryor, Mr. Dave Pryor, had the joint worst week, but he stays top Ooh. on 905. That's a that's a short gap now, isn't it? At the top, yeah. That's coming for you. Oh no. Okay. Well, that's a lot for football bloody hell this week. So, Tom Bailey, thank you very much for rounding that off, and thank you for your sterling effort again on Saturday. And we'll speak to you very soon. The things you do for the love of football. It's been wonderful to be here. Thank you, Rick Hyatt. Thank you very much indeed for Always giving the motivation pleasure. to talk about everything that happened over the weekend. Ah, just above and beyond. And I'm so looking forward to uh, Munich on on Tuesday. (laughs) I know. I know. Keep the faith, Rick. Keep the faith. I may be be busy next Monday. (laughs) Well, we'll try and have you back Wednesday if you're available. I may be busy on Wednesdays. (laughs) I can only take so much of this. It's week after week after week. And the prospect of seeing your two smiley faces is not filling me full of joy, I can tell you. Well, we hope, the listeners are hope, I'm sure, that they'll be able to listen to your thoughts and reaction on Wednesday. It's a very good night from myself, Dave Pryor. A.D. Hopper, over to you, sir. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening to Three Valleys Radio's Football Bloody Hell.